Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. And tonight we are in the final chapter in the letter to the Romans in chapter 16. It's a chapter that many people would like to skip over. It's a, it contains a bunch of names that for some are hard to pronounce. And I bet you that, you know, somebody can read the chapter three times and will never, ever pronounce the names the exact same way. Some of these names are so difficult. And so some people would rather skip Romans chapter 16. But what we're going to do tonight is is dig into the word of God in spite of all of these names that we see. And we're going to pray to God and ask him to give us those spiritual nuggets, those nuggets that we can take with us and apply to our lives. And so with that being said, we want to turn to Romans chapter 16. Once again, we're going to look at verse 1. And it says, I commend... In other words, I introduce or recommend to you Phoebe, our sister. And again, he's talking to the believers in the church in Rome. And this Phoebe is a servant of the church in Sincrea. And it says that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. In other words, give her a Christian welcome. Receive her with love and hospitality. That is the Christian way, the way of Christ. Not only that, but assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and the Apostle Paul says, and of myself also. And so from those first two verses in Romans 16, we see that Phoebe was a servant of the local assembly of believers, the church in Sincrea. And that was located on the eastern harbor of Corinth, or it was the eastern harbor of Corinth. And it's possible, very possible, that she is actually the one who delivered this letter to the church or to the believers in Rome. Now, some refer to our sister here, our sister Phoebe, as a deaconess. And that's because of the Greek word behind the word servant, And some people see the word deaconess as a formal title or role. And some see deaconess as just a description of her general service. But no matter what a person thinks this means, we can all agree. As the scripture tells us very clearly in verse 2 is that she was a helper. And helper, that word in the Greek refers to a female guardian who cares for the affairs of others and aids them with her resources. The believers in Rome are also told to help Phoebe. And so this reminds us that although she's a servant, although Phoebe is a helper, it reminds us that helpers need help too. And we need to realize a couple things or recognize a couple things about that statement that helpers need helpers too. And one thing we need to recognize is Uh, The one who normally helps, first of all, they need to be humble enough to to receive that help because helpers are always on the go. They want to help others, but sometimes they need help and they need to be humble enough to receive help. Understand they need help too. 
And something else we need to recognize is for those of us who are always receiving help on the receiving end, that we also need to help those who normally help. And not just be, again, receivers, but, but, help, but also help us to be a blessing should be the prayer we should all have. In verses 3 and 4, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 18, that's a book in the Bible, we see the Apostle Paul getting together with Aquila and his wife Priscilla. And they began to work together. But not only did they work together as tent makers, you see, they had the same trade, but they also did the work of Christ together. And so this faithful couple, as we find out in these verses, this faithful couple who hosted a church or an assembly of believers in their home, we see from the scriptures that they actually put themselves in harm's way for the apostle Paul. Now that is love. And we have a scripture here. It's in John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, of course, they didn't actually die, but they were willing to. You see, they, they put their necks out there, willing to die for him. And greater love has no one than this to lay down their lives for their friends. And of course, we know that Jesus went all the way and declared from the cross that it is finished. He died for the sinner, for you, for, for me, died in our place, took the penalty that we deserve. For the scriptures tell us that all have sinned and, and we all fall short of the glory of God, God's perfect standard. So he died, he, he, he took it all the way, Jesus died, but they were willing to, that is Priscilla and Aquila were willing to die for a friend, for the apostle Paul. And so not only was the apostle Paul thankful to Priscilla and Aquila uh, just for all their work and what they did on his behalf, but it says that the churches of the Gentiles were also thankful the scriptures tell us over and over that the apostle Paul, he admitted this himself. He was appointed as an apostle to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And so in helping the apostle Paul and laying their necks on the line for the apostle Paul, they ended up helping the Gentile people that the apostle Paul would share the gospel with. And so we need to realize that when we help another brother or sister in Christ, we are indirectly being a blessing to other people that that individual is going to help through the grace and through the power of God. And so we share in that ministry when we are a blessing to those believers who perhaps go out in the street and do street witnessing. Maybe we pray for them. Maybe we donate something to them. That'll be a blessing to them. And then they go out on the street corner and preach and hand those tracts out or whatever the case is. So we share in that. And so when 
Priscilla and Aquila helped the apostle Paul, they were also helping these Gentile people that he was a blessing to and sharing the gospel with them. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 5 in Romans chapter 16, it says, Likewise, greet the church. Greet that group, that congregation of believers that are also in Priscilla and Aquila's house. They meet there. Greet them. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia. And some manuscripts and translations say Asia instead of Achaia. And this Asia here, in some manuscripts or translation, will refer to the West Coast province of Asia Minor. And so Epinatus, greet him, the first convert of Achaia to Christ. And maybe some of you have the privilege in your families, for example, of being the first person to graduate from high school, or maybe the first person who graduated from college. Maybe you're the first person to become a professional athlete in your family, and that's such an awesome thing. It is such a blessing. But this is, this is a great honor for Epinatus because he had this honor, this privilege of being the first fruit, the first convert of Achaia. So what about you? What about having that honor of being uh, the first believer maybe in your family? And then in turn, being used by God to share the gospel with your unsaved family members. Verses 6 and 7, it says, Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Adronicus and Junia, a woman, my countrymen. And so, you know, this, if you look at the Greek word of countrymen, it can mean his relatives or fellow Jews. And so, again, greet Adronicus and Junia. And they were once, it says in verse 7, his fellow prisoners. We don't know when that was, but it states it here. And they were of note among the apostles or well known to the apostles who also were in Christ before me. So this Adronicus and Junia were, were, were believers before the apostle Paul. Now I do want to note this. Because maybe some of you have listened to other Bible scholars and read other commentaries. Now, there are some teachers who believe that that phrase of note among the apostles suggests that Adronicus and Junia were apostles. But of course, not in, in the narrow sense of the 12 apostles, but in the broad sense of being messengers. And so I'm not saying that one way or another, but I'm just saying do your own study of that. And, and I'm just making you aware of the fact that, uh, you know, some commentaries or, you know, maybe translations or whatever the case is, they, it may state that as well. Now, this Andronicus and Junia, again, a woman who were believers before the apostle Paul became a believer. Again, they were prisoners with him at one point. Now, notice how he gained some friends. Notice how Andronicus and Junia gained a friend in the apostle Paul. And so we never know what the Lord is doing when he allows us to be in a tough place, especially in the tough place with other people. Could, could it be that he's allowing us to be, for example, in this prison of fear, this, this, this state that we're in with this coronavirus running rampant? Could, 
Could it be that he's allowing us to be in this tough situation in order to start a lasting friendship like Adronicus Junia and Apostle Paul have forged in the midst of their situation, in the midst of their imprisonment? Could it be that it's to create some type of uh, friendship between people and we're going to be a blessing to each other in the long term? You know, things like that can happen in the tough times. It can happen like that in, in the metaphorical prison that we're in, the metaphorical prison of our tough situation that we're in. How many fruitful relationships have started in that way? have started in the fire? How many fruitful relationships will, will start just from a conversation, just from praying with somebody who's, who's fearful of this virus? Maybe you bump into them at the grocery store. Maybe you bump into them at a, in a parking lot. Maybe you bump into them at a gas station. Or maybe it's literally your next door neighbor. And they're fearful of what's going on in this world. Now, who knows? What, what fruitful relationship will come out of that? But certainly, Andronicus and Junia had this fruitful relationship with the Apostle Paul that was forged in prison. In verses 8 through 12, the word of God says, Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved Greet Apelles, in verse 10, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countryman or fellow Jew. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. They are believers. In verse 12, greet Tryphena, which means lux- luxurious. This is a woman. And greet Tryphosa, which means luxuriating. Another woman. These women are serving the Lord. And we have many faithful women today who are serving the Lord. And so we're so grateful for you. And so he's saying, greet them. Tryphena, Tryphosa, who've labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Perses. And it means a Persian woman. That's what that name means. Who also labored in the Lord. But it says here that she labored much in the Lord. So notice that the women laboring in the Lord. Now they're not working for salvation. They are working from salvation. So this work that they're doing in the Lord is a result of the Lord saving them, of their relationship with the Lord, of the Holy Spirit who is indwelling them. And I like what it tells us in in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. Hebrews 6, verse 10, it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so the Lord has not forgotten these ladies' work and labor of love, that they've shown toward his name, that they have shown in ministering and serving the saints. And for those of you who are serving the Lord, man or woman, child, keep going. Don't get discouraged. The Lord will not forget. He has not forgotten. You'll be rewarded one day for those works that you do in Christ. 
If you're faithful, so continue to be faithful. Keep going. Don't give up. Be encouraged. In verse 13, it says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus in, in verse 14. Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julius, another woman. Nereus and his sister and Olympus. And all the saints who are with them. In verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ or the assemblies of Christians greet you. Now, of course, the, the holy kiss, that greeting is not necessary today. So it was a, a cultural thing. And some cultures today still practice that, the holy kiss. But today, of course, in, in our culture, we mostly shake hands or hug. Or I know some people who fist bump. God bless you. If you fist bump, you bump elbows, whatever the case is, God bless you. But that's how some of us greet each other today. But it's, but it's all love. And so don't think that, oh, because we're not greeting each other with a holy kiss, that somehow, some way, we're not obeying the word of God. No, we know when we are demonstrating love to one another, shaking hands, that hug, you know, just that typical show of affection, like I said, just a tap of the elbow. In verses 17 and 18, it says, now I urge you or appeal to you, brethren, note those, mark those who cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrine, to the teaching which you learned and avoid them. Now, those are offenses. That word there in verse 17 refers to those temptations that may lead others to sin. So they not only divide, but they also kind of introduce those temptations to perhaps other believers that would lead them to sin. They, they become a stumbling block, but mark them, note those, and then avoid them. They're doing something that's contrary to the doctrine, the word of God that we've learned. And it says in verse 18, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. They deceive the hearts of the innocent and naive. Those who are unsuspecting are the ones that they trick, that they deceive. And so here we see some truths about people who cause divisions and offenses within the church. First of all, we see that they serve their own bellies. And in serving their own bellies, obviously they're not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, which would make serving their own bellies idolatry. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says this. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and he'll despise the other. He's not going to like the other. So you cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you cannot serve God, the God of the Bible, and you cannot serve riches. And so if they're serving their own bellies, these people that are causing divisions and leading people to sin within the church, 
they're being selfish, serving themselves, then they're serving an idol God. They're not serving the Lord. Now, another truth that we need to realize about people like this is that they are deceptive. And deception, by the way, is a tool of Satan. Now, there are results, of course, if we obey the word of God in this, if we mark those, if, if we note those who are causing divisions and who are causing other believers to stumble and fall into sin, if we note them and avoid them, there's some things that are going to happen or some, there's some things that we're showing. And one thing we show when we note them and when we avoid them is we show that, number one, we do not approve of their behavior because we separate from them. So we, we show that we don't agree with their teaching. We don't agree with their behavior. A second result of avoiding them and marking them is that we prevent ourselves from being infected by them. The word of God tells us that a little leaven, a little leaven, a little yeast, in other words, will leaven the whole lump. That yeast will spread to that whole lump. And that leaven, of course, that yeast is representative of sin. And so that's the second thing that happens when we mark and avoid those who cause divisions and offenses. We prevent, prevent ourselves from being infected by them. We prevent the leaven from spreading. And then number three, we are choosing the word of God over them, over their false teachings, and over their living practices. We're saying that I trust God. I trust his word. It is an unchangeable word, a permanent word. Remember what we talked about at the beginning. We, we, we trust an unchanging God because we're not going on the side of those who are doing things and teaching things that are contrary to doctrine, to the doctrine, the teachings that we've learned from the scriptures. Now, I like what it says in the word of God, and this is found in the Old Testament. It is Psalm 119, verse 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. And it's speaking about the word of God. It says, the entrance of your words, it gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It gives understanding to the immature. And so choose God. Choose his permanent word over the doctrines, over the lifestyles of those who are being divisive and of those who are putting stumbling blocks that causes people to sin in people's way. In verse 19, now we're back in Romans chapter 16. It says, for your obedience has become known to all. Speaking to the believers in Rome. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise. Be wise in what is good and be simple. Be innocent concerning evil. And wisdom, by the way, is the ability to apply knowledge. And so you take the word of God. You take what you learned. You take what you now know about the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit because we cannot do it on our own. We can't be Christ-like on our own. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we take knowledge and we apply it. We begin to live out the word of God. And that demonstrates now that we have wisdom. So be wise in what is good. 
what God considers good, not what anybody else considers good. Because God's standard of righteousness is the only standard that matters. But be simple concerning that which is evil. And so we don't have to learn all the evil that's going on in order to be able to minister to people who are living in sins. We don't have to be experts in evil. We don't have to be experts in learning what sins are out there. In fact, be innocent concerning evil. Which means that in our lifestyles, we're not living in an evil way. In verse 20, it says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the grace of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, will be with you. Amen. So in other words, we need to do our part in noting and avoiding those who cause divisions and lead people to sin. We also need to do our part in being wise in what is good. And guess what we see here in verse 20? If we do our part, then God will take care of the rest. God will take care of Satan. In fact, not only will he crush Satan, we don't have to crush him. We don't have power to crush him. Not on our own, but God will crush Satan. That's what the scripture says in verse 20. And then he will put him under our feet. And so he'll be crushed under our feet. And it's like we're a conqueror. And we are actually more than conquerors, the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 8. And we'll trample him. But that's awesome that God would do the crushing. We do our part. God will crush. God will put Satan under our feet. But you need to know this, that Satan is already a defeated enemy. He's already defeated. Jesus already conquered Satan. And so he's a defeated foe. In other words, he has a gun that isn't loaded. But many people are afraid because he has uh, some kind of spiritual gun, so to speak. But it isn't loaded. He's disarmed. He's defeated, a defeated foe. And so if we continue to do our part, as we just talked about, we're going to experience that, that victory over him as God gives it to us. So we cooperate in God with that. We have to have a willing heart to obey the word of God, to avoid divisiveness, To not give in to those who cause people to stumble, those those stumbling blocks. Be wise in what is good. Be simple or innocent in that which is evil. We're going to experience that victory in our daily lives. So in other words, the victory that we have in our position. And so our position is victory. In other words, we fight from a position of victory. We don't have to fight for it. We are fighting from victory, and it's in Christ, and it's through Christ. We are more than conquerors. And so we will experience victory over the enemy, even over our flesh, our sin nature, and our daily lives, as God gives us that ability. But also, there's going to come a time where the enemy is going to, be defeated for good. He's not even going to have the ability to, to roam the new heavens and new earth anymore because the scriptures tell us in, in Revelation 20 that he'll be cast into that lake 
a fire. Now, as we look at verses 21 through 24, we're going to read some greetings from those who are in Corinth with Paul. Because remember, the apostle Paul is writing or wrote this letter to the Romans from the city of Corinth. So to be sure, it is the Holy Spirit who gave the inspired word, the breathed out word, the God breathed word to the apostle Paul in the city of Corinth. And he had it written down to share with the believers in Rome. And so again, we'll see some greetings from those who are with him in that city of Corinth. In verse 21, it says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Now, Tertius, by the way, is the there's a word, it's called the amanuensis. He is the amanuensis of the apostle Paul. In other words, as the Holy Spirit gave the inspired word to the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul dictated it. He spoke the word and then Tertius wrote down the word. He's the amanuensis here. And so that's why he says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. In verse 23, Gaius, my host, And the host of the whole church, that is the church in Corinth, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city of Corinth, greets you. And Quartus, a brother, greets you as well. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So now as we witness today, as we witness in this lesson tonight in Romans chapter 16, the names of these saints... Not only their names, but their character are recorded for us permanently. And so what we have just read is a permanent record of these names of believers, these faithful saints and their character. For example, Phoebe is remembered as a servant and as a helper. Aquila and Priscilla are remembered. In other words, it's in permanent ink. They're remembered as the dynamic duo. They're remembered as that awesome husband and wife team who work together and they even risk their necks. They risk their lives for the apostle Paul, their brother in Christ. And so how much of a blessing is that for husband and wife to work together? We can Uh, surely learn a lesson from this awesome couple if you're married out there. This dynamic duo, that's what they're remembered for. They were willing to die for their brother, the apostle Paul. And we're thankful for the work that they put in because God used him in the mighty way. And where you reading here, or you can read in the Bible, in the New Testament, many scriptures, many letters that God used the Apostle Paul to write. And he used Aquila and, and Priscilla, these spirit-filled uh, uh, people, this married couple, to, to risk their lives for Paul, to, to help him to stay alive and do the work God called them to do. And guess what? That is written in permanent ink. This is a permanent record we're looking at. The names of these saints and their character. We also see Epinatus. He's remembered as the first convert in his area. And guess what? I didn't share this with you earlier in the lesson, but Epinatus' name means praiseworthy. 
That is awesome because for the believer, it is praiseworthy that we give our lives to Christ and we live for him. But guess what? That praise does not come from men. That's not what we should be looking for, a pat on the back from men. But for the believer, the scriptures tell us the the true Jew is circumcised in the heart, not in the flesh. And so the true Jew, and it's also in the book of Romans, by the way, that's the one whose praise doesn't come from men. But the true Jew, there's one circumcised in the heart. Their praise comes from God. So I love that name, Epinetus. And it is, again, written for us permanently in permanent ink that he is, that his name means praiseworthy. And so our praise as believers come from God. That's what it reminds us of. And then you have in permanent ink. On permanent record, you have Mary and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Perses who are known as laborers in the Lord. And then you have Adronicus. And Adronicus's name means man of victory. And that's something I did not share with you earlier, but that's an awesome name. Man of victory. Because in Christ, we are people of victory. And again, we're not earning victory, but we have victory in Christ. We have victory through Christ. As a matter of fact, we are more than conquerors through Jesus. And so we also see other names in here that are recorded permanently. We see Apelles. Apelles is known for being a proven servant of Christ in verse 10. In fact, it means that Apelles was tested and approved in Christ. So Apelles was tested by whatever tough situation or situations he was in. And he was shown to be a true believer. He was, he was shown to be a person who was truly in Christ. So how many of us are being tested at this very moment? And through this situation, you're going to come out at the very end as pure gold. You're going to come out at the very end as a tried and true believer. It's going to show proof of that. And so by going through it, it won't make you a true believer. But what I'm saying is it's going to demonstrate the, the truthfulness of your faith, that you are truly in Christ, just like Apelles, who is shown for, uh, he is shown to be a proven servant of Christ. It is, it is written permanently. It's in permanent ink, a permanent record, the title of our message tonight. But there are other people in tonight's lesson who are known for other things. They're known to be the apostle Paul's fellow workers in Christ. They're also known as being beloved by the Apostle Paul. That's an awesome thing that you are permanently known as being someone who is beloved by another believer, by other believers. You see, when you're at your memorial service, you want to know for being a person who is beloved. And so that brings us to us now. So now it's time for us to, to go from these other people. You see, their names are recorded permanently. Their character is recorded permanently. Again, permanent record. It's not going to be changed. This is the word of God. We are reading and we're enjoying it today. But the question for us is, as we, as we bring it to us, is what is our permanent record going to be like? At the end of the day, when this life is over, 
What is your permanent record going to look like? What is my permanent record in the sight of God? What is that going to look like? What is, what is my character going to be remembered as? Will we be remembered as divisive? As it's stated in the scripture. To note those who cause divisions and offenses. So will we be remembered as a person who's divisive? As a person who's serving our own bellies? Will we be remembered as those who influence others to sin? Whether it's directly or indirectly. Will we be remembered that way? What is our permanent record going to look like? What are they going to be saying at our memorial service? And then in verse 9. I like the fact that the name Ur- Urbanus is there. Because before I, I ask this next question and hope you meditate on that question, I want to share with you that Urbanus in verse 9, it could mean of the city or it could mean polite. And so in this day and age, at this moment right now, past few weeks, or maybe even today, would that cause us to be remembered as polite? Or will we be remembered as rude? Will people remember us as, as people who cut in line at the store just for a, a, a thing of toilet paper or hand sanitizer? Are we going to be remembered as rude to the, you know, people who snatch things out of people's hands? People who are holding babies, we're going to snatch diapers out of their hands because of the time we're living in. Or are we going to be remembered as people who are polite? Which is, again, what urbanus could mean. Will it be on permanent record? Will we be remembered as people who labored in Christ? As many of the people, many of the women are remembered as in the scriptures that we read tonight. Will people remember us? That's wow, that person served the Lord. They labored in Christ. They weren't serving themselves. They were serving others in the name of Jesus. Will we be remembered as those who are hateful, Lord? Will it be on permanent record for us as those who are loving to others, especially at this time? May the love of Christ just overflow from our hearts. As people are rushing and cutting in lines and fighting and even robbing people in parking lots over toilet paper and other essentials, food and things like that, will we be remembered this day, this moment, this moment of crisis as people who are loving, loving others in Christ? Will we be remembered as those who are obedient as the Roman believers were? Because in verse 19, it says, for your obedience has become known to all. Will people remember us as obedient? Will it be on permanent record for us that we didn't live after the flesh? That we weren't experts in evil? Will it be on permanent record that we were experts, that we were walking in wisdom? That we were wise in the things that are good. But there's another name here that's so awesome. And that name is Philologus. That means lover of the word. Is that how we're going to be remembered as lovers of the word? Now, of course, that could be the written word of God. 
or the living word of God, Jesus Christ. As you read John chapter 1, verse 1, for the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So will you be remembered as philologists? Will that be on your permanent record that, hey, this person loves the word, they love the Bible, but they also love Jesus, the word of God. The worship team comes up. Or will we simply be remembered? And if we are simply remembered as this, that would be awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to share that with you. Will we simply be remembered as a child of God? You see, maybe some people will think about us in the past. Oh, they were this way or that way. They used to walk according to that sinful manner of life for that. But now they are called a child of God. Above all things, may that be something that we are remembered for. May we be remembered as a child of God. And our scriptures tell us, and it's the last scripture of the night, and we're almost the last scriptures of the night. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So would that be on our permanent record? That, hey, that person was a CEO. Yes, that person was a nurse. Yes, that person was a doctor or teacher. That person was a lawyer. That person was a student or an athlete. But you know what? Most of all, it is on permanent record that this person is a child of God which is only possible through that born-again experience, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that's, of course, as we repent and as we put our faith in Jesus. And if you want to reference that scripture again on how to become a child of God, again, read John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And I just want to leave you with the word of God that I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And after I read this, we can pray. In verses 25 through 27, again, New Living Translation, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says, just as my gospel says. So look at this, this prayer of praise to God. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you that you won't forget our works, our labor of love that's done faithfully in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness today. We, we thank you that you are a great God. You're, you're greater than what's going on. You're greater than our financial situation. Lord, you're, you're greater than those issues that are in some of our families right now. 
we thank you, Lord. Lord, we want this day to be on permanent record that instead of acting unloving, that instead of being selfish and serving our own bellies, may it be recorded this day that we were loving, that we were helpful, that we served others in the name of Jesus, that may it be recorded this day that we were not overcome by fear. May it be recorded permanently this day, Lord, that we were not overcome by the schemes of the enemy, the devil. And Lord, I pray for those right now who are experiencing fear, who are experiencing worry and doubt. Lord, may they sense your presence like never before. May they draw nearer to you. May you fill them with your spirit, with your love. Perfect love cast out fear. May you use them for your glory this week. May you encourage us to pray for the leadership of our state and country. Remind us, Lord, that's, that's what you called us to do as believers, to pray for those who are in authority. May you continue to give the church leadership wisdom and discernment. And as many messages go forth from various churches, may you use those messages to bless the people who tune in, Lord. And all of the Bible-believing local churches you set up, Father. And I pray for those tonight who want to receive Christ. If you would repeat the following words, not just repeat, but really, truly believe it in your heart. I'll go ahead and lead you in that prayer. God, I thank you for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ. I know, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I have broken your law. I have fallen short of your standard of perfection. And I believe that Jesus, the Son of God, your Son, has become a human at a certain point of history. And he died on that cross. He took the penalty that I deserve so that I will never have to be separated from you. And God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask Jesus to become my Savior, to become my Lord. I believe 
in the resurrection. And I thank you for allowing me to become now a part of your family. I'm a child of God now. Amen. The scriptures tell us if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. So what you believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. If you've done that, then welcome to the family of God. You can go onto our website at calvaryqueencreek.org and let us know about the commitment you made. And if you need a Bible, as Pastor Jim, our senior pastor, shared on Sunday, if you need a Bible, we'll send you one. God bless you. God keep you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.